0: When you Google this stuff, you can find a million things and still not know what's right for you.
1: Hey there, I'm Lily, and you're listening to Mindful Admissions, a podcast by Strive to Learn. In this episode of this podcast, uh, Josephine and I sat down to talk about the SAT and the ACT, specifically how and when students should take either one. And uh, actually, I wanted to slip this in here at the beginning before we get into the content uh, of this episode, but the day after we recorded this session, it was announced that the SAT is making some significant changes, Uh, most notably that the test is going to be in future entirely digital, unique to each student, and significantly shorter. So we weren't aware of these changes when we started discussing the SAT and ACT, Um, and we'll address them in future episodes and blog posts, So for now, just take all of the advice in this episode exactly as it is. It's all still relevant and still true, regardless of the format of the test. Just know that there are some additional changes on top of that that we'll get to eventually. All right, I think that's about it. Let's go to Josephine and me. Hey, Josephine. Thank you so much for joining me today to talk about the SAT and ACT or more specifically how and when students should take the SAT or ACT. Um, I'm really excited to talk about this because I feel like there have been a lot of changes in the past, couple of years um, to these tests. And I know we're not here to talk about that. Um, But there's still some core advice that I think has remained the same throughout that time. Um, And I'm happy to do this episode because we already did an episode on changes. (laughs) We've done episodes, we've done blog posts and podcast recordings about like everything that has changed. Um, But we haven't talked about like the basics in a while. Um, So this feels like kind of overdue. I'm really excited to start talking. Yeah,
0: hi Lily. Um, It's really great to record an episode on this. I agree. Um, We have a lot of students who have questions about this. Um, And, you know, how let's make this something where you can go to and really just figure out, um, you know, what are these tests about? who needs to take them, why, all of those things and get your questions answered. Because I think that when you Google this stuff, you can find a million things and still not know what's right for you. So that's what I'm hoping to do is be able to give some advice that will help anyone who's listening really kind of clear their head and get a better idea of where to start and how to tackle this beast.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Um, So just to start off really bare bones, what are the SAT and the ACT?
0: That's a great question. Um, I was an international student um, applying. So I was like, what are they? I truly haven't heard <laughs> about them. <laughs> Most students um, in the US, of course, have heard about them on and off throughout their lives a little bit. Um, so the SAT and ACT are both tests that you take um, that will become part of your application to certain colleges, not to all colleges, but to, um, they can be to many colleges. So a lot of people think that Um, it's, it's, it might be asking you everything from high school, like history, biology, social science. I got to study. I got to memorize everything I learned. And that's not true. So these tests, um, are, Technically supposed to measure— I'm going to air quotes— college readiness, right? <laughs> um, we all know there's a lot more to college readiness than to than taking a three-hour test. Um, however, um, what they do test are—is your proficiency in mathematics. Um, and that is not all the way to calculus. So don't freak out, don't be worried. Um, if you're a junior, uh, halfway through your year, you should already know enough to be able to do very well on the math section. Um, so it goes up to algebra two with a little bit of trade thrown in there. Um, and a lot of pre algebra. Yeah. So, so don't worry too much about the math. Like, you can do it. Most students are more like, oh, wow, I learned this in like eighth or ninth grade. Let me refresh my memory. And then they also check um, your English skills. So, there are usually two different sections. One section checks more. Um, how, how good is your grammar? How well can you edit an essay that you read? So you don't have to do any of your own writing on them. Um, but you do have to do multiple choice um, questions where you basically correct or find the best version of a sentence, things like that. So, that's checking your grammar, uh, rhetoric, and structure skills. And then there's a reading comprehension section as well, uh, really taking a look at are you a critical reader? Um, Can you pull out details? Do you understand nuances? Can you answer questions um, about what happened in this passage? Things like that. And then the ACT has one more section that the SAT doesn't, um, which is the science section. Again, you don't have to memorize a bunch of stuff before, don't worry. Um, It's simply asking you to interpret. Interpret um little short passages they give you that often have graphs, charts, or tables, and to read off of there and pull out information and sometimes connect that information to something else that is also in one of the charts. So that one is more like a reading section if you're good at reading what's been put in front of you. Um, so that can actually make it harder than you think sometimes. If you are really great at science but not so great at reading, then the science section can actually be, um, you know, a little bit of a thing to tackle for you um so it really depends but those are the sections um and they say college readiness I would say it does test um how well you test it also tests how much do you prepare for a big test like this so students who prepare for um you know several days versus weeks versus months see very different results on these so preparing um For a longer period of time will show in your higher score for most students. Um, And then also it does test critical thinking. I do believe that. um, I think that the way it tests critical thinking is not um, conducive to every student showing their critical thinking prowess, but for the students who have learned to do that in math or reading and writing, um, they are able to show that on the test. That was a very long winded answer. But um, these tests are, you know, they're three hours. um, And do you have to take both? No, it's either the SAT or the ACT. So um, everything I just said just kind of is about what is on these tests. But don't forget, you don't have to take both, you get to choose the one that you hate less, <laughs> that maybe you have a higher start- starting score on, um, and then you study for that one, you take that one. So don't worry, even though we keep saying SAT and ACT in this podcast episode, um, you don't have to take both. You'll just choose the one that suits you better.
1: So how does how can students go through that process of deciding? How do you recommend they really um, put themselves through the experience of taking one or the other in order to feel like, okay, I choose the ACT?
0: So I bet half of the listeners right now are already like, deep, neck deep in a Google search um, about how do I choose the SAT or ACT. Maybe you're already filling out one of those quick, you know, two minute quizzes that's going to tell you which test is the one for you. Um, I'm going to tell you to stop right there. It's not going to work. It's not going to tell you the right test for you. There's just no quick way of figuring out um, which test is the right test for you, except to take them. So don't take a real one because it costs money. It's going to cost you half a Saturday and all that. You have to go somewhere. Don't take a real one to get your baseline score. Instead, um, grab a free practice test from the World Wide Web. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Download it, take it, grade it yourself, and then take a look at some uh, comparison charts to see which one you do better at. When you take that test, um, make sure to take it in a quiet setting uninterrupted, only do, you know, one or two little breaks and only during it in between sections. You want to get as close to real test day as possible. So I recommend taking it on a Saturday at 8am. I know half of you are like turning off the podcast right now, deleting this episode <laughs> from your phone. Um, but it really, really is the best way, um, to gauge where you're at. Um, and, and to see. So don't take them back to back either because you will most definitely do worse on the second one. Don't take one <laughs> after school and the other one on like a Sunday where you, know, you were lounging around all day. Make sure you time yourself all those things. And if you don't know where to find tests, um, just go on our website too. And um, you know, we'll, we'll link this below in the podcast episode as well um, on where you can go to just get a free diagnostic test. So we have them um, either proctored so that, you know, you have someone else keeping the time for you. We do them on zoom. So you just sit in your room with your computer on and someone proctors you. So that's a really great way to go. If you're like, I just want to sit down and take this thing. I don't want to worry about timing myself or anything like that. that. Um, Or you can just download and self time. And then you send us the bubble sheet uh, to info at strive to learn.com. So you know, even if you just have a bubble sheet laying around right now and know which test it was just email it on over. um, And we'll actually send you a full on score report that is much more in depth than just the one the college board or the ACT um, organization would give you. Um, And it really shows you what specific math you need to work on. You know, is it triangles or is it solving systems of equations or is it um, linear equations? Like what is it that you need to work on specifically? Um, So I just want to put that out there because that's a free service that we offer to anyone. And I want to make sure people know that. Um, It is the best way to get your baseline score Um, and then comparing them with a concordance table. So let's make sure we link all of that. At,
1: um the low. Um, yeah. So that's that's what I would do. Awesome. Yeah, I highly recommend doing a proctor diagnostic test. That really helped me at the beginning when I was figuring out what which test I wanted to take. Um and I remember being struck by the the significant difference in my math score from the SAT to the ACT. Um, I think no calculator math on the SAT was what, was what killed me at the beginning. Um, but yeah, it's baseline is, is the best word for it because it really is. It's where you start. Um, and, you know, it's an indication of which path will help you um, become better. So yeah, I wound up choosing the ACT, but, you know, different for, everybody. you
0: know, You know, and some people, they get exactly the same score on both, right? And they're like, well, this isn't helpful. Um, (laughs) So for that, I always say, which one do you feel like you can really improve more on? And which one do you really hate less? So before you look at your score, I want you to write down, like make a little table, SAT, ACT, or, or maybe even right after you take the practice test. Let's say you take the SAT, you know, like tomorrow. Then right after you take it, write down what you liked, what you hated, what felt good, what did not feel good. Yeah. Um, maybe you were pressed for time. Maybe you weren't. Right? Maybe you felt really good about the math, but you hated the writing and language section. So write those, jot those things down and then do the same thing if you know, a week later, you maybe you take your baseline uh, ACT um, at home and write down how you felt right after. And yeah. look at those comments and see just based on those, which one do you like more? or hate and laugh. Um, And then you take a look at what your real scores are, because if they're very close, you should go with your gut, you should go with the one mm-hmm. that really felt better, where you felt like you have more room for improvement, because motivation is a big factor in this. And if you really hated the test, then, and you scored about equally, or maybe you even scored slightly better on one, but you it's the one you hated more, maybe the other one's still the right one to go, for, go with, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. If you're that close, what I would recommend is you Choose one, you study for it, and then you take both of the real tests as your first test, yeah? Mm -hmm. Even though usually I say only take one of them, that's (laughs) the only one, the only case where I would say take both, but only study for one, yeah? Because any any skills you learn as you study for one are transferable to the other. Um, And then compare how you did on test day for both of them. And then from there, you choose which one to go for um, for your second test day
1: smart very smart speaking of test dates um when and where do students typically take these tests so When and where, Um, it really
0: depends on who you are, where you're at, Um, where at test centers. Um, So to register for a test, you go on either ACT.org, or you go on the College Board website. Um, And then you say, I want to register for a test, you pick a test center, you fill out all kinds of information, they don't make it super easy, it's kind of annoying to fill everything out. But only the first time (laughs) after that, you have your account. Um, And then you pay, you know, your, um, I think it's around $80 at this point, It, it might be a little more, a little less. You can also have, you know, extra services like score reports with them or not. So you pay whatever you need to pay for your registration fee. Um, and, and then it'll tell you um, to choose a test location. And so you t- try to choose something that's familiar to you. So that's where you, you take the test. So oftentimes it's at schools. Um, when you take the test. Um, first of all, I recommend taking the test more than once. The real test. So I said, don't take a real one for your baseline, right? So definitely don't do that. Um, it's just not really worth the money, I think. It's better to first study. Also, because some schools want to see all of your scores. So they request that you send all your scores. So you don't really want to just take one cold and blind, Um and, and then get a really low score just because maybe there was something you were unaware of or you, something like that. Right. Um, and it's really not representative of you. So, so definitely make sure before your first one, you, you at least familiarize yourself in some way, but um, oftentimes you see on the SAT, like about a 50, I think on average, about a 50 um, point increase just from one test date to the next, even with no studying in between simply because you suddenly have um you know, it's more familiarity, more comfort with the situation. Yeah. You've been there before. You've had to concentrate that long before. Mm-hmm. It's it's no longer brand new. You might get a reading passage that just happens to be about something you're passionate about versus last time, mm-hmm you're reading passages, you you just could have thrown them all down the drain. Um, So (laughs) things like that, right, they can really, really change how you do on a test. And it's not that you're suddenly a better reader, but it's just that you maybe had some prior knowledge that made it easier to grasp everything on the first read through versus it being completely foreign to you. Um, So I do recommend taking it at least twice. um, And when to take it? Should I, should I go into kind of a couple
1: different timelines or yeah, is that I, too and much I'm and, okay. and if you don't mind, I mean, including prep, like when you think prep should begin would be great mm. as well.
0: Okay. I'll start with the ideal timeline, but I don't want anyone to freak out. I mean, you know, I know that it's <laughs> everyone who's listening is probably, you know, beginning in, in the first half of the second semester, right. As mm-hmm. a junior. Um, so the timeline I'm going to tell you right now is not For you, it's more for the sophomores who are listening or anyone who's listening after this episode gets released. So the low stress timeline that I really, really recommend, um, and I've I've seen students do this over, you know, um, my like uh, over nine years of, of doing test prep. And they these are really the least stressed students who get the highest score increases. So my big recommendation is starting in the summer between sophomore and junior year with your prep, whether that is self prep on your own or whether you're working with a tutor, um, start then. Your junior year is going to be the heaviest workload of your high school years. I can guarantee you that. Um, I've not really met a student for whom that was not true. <laughs> it's you might be taking some APs, right? Um, you you're probably um, Involved in more extracurriculars. Um, who knows, maybe you're in a sport and, and got on the varsity team, who knows, right? So there's a lot of stuff going on. Um, and so be aware that you will have less time than you think you will to prep for a test like this, on top of all your schoolwork and extracurriculars. So um I would say after sophomore year ends, take a week, take a break, do nothing, let your brain air out. Then Take a diagnostic SAT, then a day or two later, take a diagnostic ACT. You're on summer break, you know, you can do them one day after the next. It's not that big of a deal. Usually you go to school for much longer than this test, right? Okay, so then it's about two weeks after the break started, and now you know which test you're going to take because you know your diagnostic scores. Set up um, based on that choose your first test date. So that might be in August if your summer break starts really early, it might be in September or October if your summer break starts later, right? Um, We have some students whose summer break starts in like mid-May and others who aren't on break until end of June. Very different, very different timeline. So choose the test that will allow you to prepare um, and self-study or work with a tutor um, for about six to 10 weeks, depending on what kind of score improvement you're looking for. Um, Studies have shown that prepping over a longer period of time, um, so more consistently, but less hours in one block of studying, Mm -hmm. that makes sense. Um, So more frequently and more consistently. can really raise your score drastically compared to doing it for a shorter time frame, like two or three weeks. Mm-hmm. But then you know every day, so you also know what kind of student you are, of course, right? So so work with what you have. But I can just say several studies have shown this, and in in our practice at Strive to Learn, we have seen this with so many students. Um, I love the eight to ten week timeline of prepping. Before your very first test date, and I would um, do, I would prep for your test. So I would study for my test every um, about about three times a week. I would say three or four times a week. Carve out about an hour, an hour and a half, three or four times a week. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to make sure that you don't just do practice tests and never look back at them. You're gonna do the same, make the same mistake over and over again. But instead, um, you really want to. You want to see what do you need to work on? And then you want to, really focus on that. So using a test prep book that then really goes in depth on this one math concept that you keep getting wrong, right? Master mm-hmm. that first, then master the next one, et cetera, then do another section, right? Now I'm totally veering off the question, so I'm going to bring it back because <laughs> we can come back to how to self-study or how to work with a tutor later. Um, okay, so, so then you're taking your very first one, end of the summer, um, beginning of fall, right? So beginning of junior year, you're taking your first test. Then based on that score, you decide, do do I want to take it again? Have I reached my goal score or not? Um, And then most students take it again, either in November or December, avoid the time when you have finals. So if your finals are in December, don't take your second test in December, take it in November. Um, And most of our students who do that timeline, and then prep again between their first and second test, they're done before Christmas, you know, they're done. And they can focus the rest of their junior year on building their college list, um, on visiting colleges, on, um, you know, avoiding or fielding questions about where their life is going. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And it's a lot less stressful because they know, hey, I can put a check mark next to what this big item and all the stuff that I have piling up second half of junior year, which includes really starting to think about colleges. It might also include having some AP testing in April, things like that. I can really focus on that, um, and I don't need to worry about this stupid test, right? So, um, so that's that's my recommendation as far as low stress. But um, starting right now at the beginning of your second semester in junior year is also an excellent option, also a great option. So, if you are listening to this podcast episode right as it comes out, um, it's you know, it's February of your junior year. Um, go ahead and start right now. You know. Um, head on over to strive to learn.com, click on test prep, download a diagnostic test, send us your bubble sheets. We'll give you a score report and tell you where you can start. Um, and then you can take your first test. I would say either May or June, and then you could take it again in August or September, and then you can be done. So that is another option. Um, the study I was talking about earlier, um, did something really interesting it looked at what is the timing of prep and how does it affect the scores? And they saw that basically for every month that you prep in junior year, you get a much higher score increase. So the earlier start in junior year. So I'm talking like January start versus like a June start. So mm-hmm. at any month before June of junior year, actually, raises your test score significantly. Mm-hmm. So if you're kind of scared about it, but you're also scared about your APs, don't just wait till you have your APs and then start prep concurrently. Yeah. Just mm-hmm. start getting into it. Even if it's just an hour per week, just get started. Yeah. Block that time out. It will have a really beneficial effect. Even if you if it's, you know, February right now, you know, you can't take your first test until June or July. And you have a lot to do. That's fine. Piecemeal it, make it small, make it digestible, you know, do an hour a week, do a half hour a week. I don't really care. Um, (laughs) Do something because it's not going to get easier by not doing it. And I I just think that that was so interesting about this study that um, Mm -hmm. we, and we can link the study as well, um, that you can really see for every month of studying before end of junior year, you saw a really significant increase in score. And I don't have the exact numbers in front of me right now. um, But I do know that I was, I was like, wow, this shows everything that I have always experienced in my practice with our students. Um, So it was, it was really interesting to see that that result replicated in the study.
1: Yeah, I, I genuinely, I would say my score increased for sure. When I took the SAT, I actually, I think I went a full year. So I took my first SAT in September of my junior year. Um, and then I took a couple more tests and then the final one, September of my senior year. Um, so it took me a while for sure. It took me yeah, several you, test attempts. You, I think I took four. You did the
0: ACT,
1: right? Yeah, I also took an SAT in September. Oh, okay, year, so got it. And I, I think- really just messed myself up with right. <laughs> a lot of tests. <laughs> I think in total, didn't you come up about 11
0: or 12 points or something like that? Yeah,
1: it was a lot. I was in the low 20s. I can't remember which one for yeah. my composite score I mean, and my composite when score you started, right? Yes, when I started. My composite score, September of my senior year was a 32 instead. So yeah, I mean, it was a lot.
0: Yeah, I remember it was at least 10 point increase, which, you know, I I just want that to sink in with uh, with our listeners, because a lot of students um, start between an 18 and a 21. Okay, that's an that's average. I just want to say that an 18 on the ACT is average. I get so many students who come to me and are like, I want a 30. And I'm like, you, you do know that's <laughs> and then 95th percentile of the nation, right? It's somewhere around there, depending on the test. And they're like, oh, wow, what does that mean? It means that you are in the top 5% of all students in the nation. They're like, wow. I'm like, yeah, a 30 is a very high score. So, you know, if, if you are putting a lot of pressure on yourself, I just really want you to think about that. That would be the top 5%, you know, if you get an 18. You're right in the middle 50. You're at average. So if you start with an 18, please, please, please don't put yourself down for not being where maybe you want to be, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you're, that's just your baseline. This is not, first of all, it's not who you are, nor is it where you will be, right? They're, and it's a great starting score. You're already at average without having studied yet that's great. I mean, you know, if I take a Spanish class, I, with no studying, I can't be at average. (laughs) I wouldn't know any (laughs) of the words. I wouldn't know anything. So, um, so just, just know that, you know, um, acknowledge that you've already achieved something, um, just, just by creating a baseline score because you're so far ahead, um, of, of yourself if, as if you, if you hadn't taken that, right? So, give yourself that pat on the back, like congratulate yourself for starting to even think about this. I think that's really important. And then just know there, there's so many stories that are just like yours, Lily's right. Uh, Lily, the, the idea of starting in the low twenties and ending up in uh, actually breaking into the thirties, it's totally possible, but I do want everyone who's listening to really hear what Lily said. How
1: <laughs> long did you prep? Uh, more than a year, about a year and a half.
0: Yeah. With a little bit of breaks in between. Right. Yeah. Um, but also some consistent studying. So I think that's really important. Um, and did you did you self-study or did you um, have a test prep tutor? What did you do, Lily?
1: So I did a mix. I would say my main avenue for studying was my test prep tutor, um, Josh. And I met with Josh specifically to work on ACT math, uh, usually one to two times a week. Um, but Josh sent me home every week with a practice test or a practice section or a set of questions to work on. So I did a few hours of studying on top of my regular schoolwork and regular math um, every week. And, you know, disregarding the holiday break and like, I don't know, maybe Labor Day weekend, but um, yeah, it was pretty steady that entire time um, and a good mix of self-study and and working with Josh.
0: Yeah. And you, you took the test, you said four times, right? So it wasn't like you got that. You didn't get that (laughs) score increase just between the first and the second. Right.
1: No, not at all. And it was, um, none of them. I I didn't go from like 22 to like 30. And then the next three tests were me getting from 30 to 32. Like it was, it was incremental each time and it just added up.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I think that like slow and steady wins the race kind of mentality really does apply to these tests. But, but, you know, if you're listening to this and you're a senior and it's September, not all is lost. (laughs) You can totally still take this test, right? So this brings me to our last kind of um, test prep timeline guidance. Um, If you hadn't had the chance to take it, or maybe you thought you didn't have to take it. And now suddenly you want to apply to a university that requires it um, or a program that requires it. And you're like, Oh man, I got to take it. Or, you know, if you have taken it several times, but still aren't where you want to be at, you can still make a dent. So a lot of colleges will, most colleges will still accept the October test date, even for early action deadlines. You have to check with each college, but most early action deadlines, even though a lot of them are November 1st, they will accept your October scores, even though they will probably get there after November 1st. So Check with that college just to make sure um, that it'll still work. Um, UCs will even accept a December test date, even though, um, so the University of California system, even though their applications are usually due on November 30th. So that's interesting. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So again, check every year is different, right? I'm saying this at the beginning of 2022. If you're listening to this halfway through 2022, check, check that nothing has changed. Um, So, so you can still take it. And that's why both test um, providers have a lot of test dates in the fall for exactly those students. So um, I do also want to mention something very interesting that I haven't talked about yet. This is something that actually oftentimes makes the um, very first test dates of, of, the second semester junior year, really enticing. So in the fall, if you test in fall, you still have seniors taking that test, right? Um, October, November, December. And the percentile and the way the scores are are created, it is curved in a sense. So it does depend on how well everyone else does on the test. So curved is actually not the right word, but let's just say 80% of students got this question that was ranked easy wrong. Then there's something wrong with the test, right? Um, If it was ranked easy, then 80% should have gotten it correct, not incorrect, right? So the test makers may decide to take that question out of the overall um, factoring because you do receive a scaled score and the scaled score is always different from the raw score. So every test has a slightly different scaled score. You might get, you know, on the math, you might get 56 correct out of 60. And the next time you get 58 correct out of 60, but both are the same score. Both are, let's say a 33, right? On the ACT. And you're like, why? I got two more right. Why is my score not higher? It means that the math section apparently was deemed to be a little easier than the last one. And that's actually a good thing for you, because if you get suddenly hit with a math section that has a couple questions on there that are harder than usual, then... The scaled score will reflect that. You can still get a really high, close to perfect score, um, even if you missed a question or two, if everyone else also missed those questions. So mm-hmm. it does, you know, adapt to the people who are taking the test. So that's a really, really good thing. Um, so if you're a junior taking the test with all the seniors, then that might bring your score compared to theirs, it might change it a little bit. Versus if you're a junior and you take it while well, everyone else who's also a junior is taking it for the first time, your score might pop up a little bit. Now, I have not done an empirical study on this, okay? And this is just me <laughs> hypothesizing. It has been true for a lot of my students. So it's always a good idea to take you know, a test If you aren't happy yet after taking a test in the first half of junior year, just go and throw yourself out there one more time and take it again. And, you know, the first one you can take in February or March um, of your junior year and see if something changes. Obviously, please brush up, do another practice test or so in between. Um, It can it can have a really positive effect. So that's another reason why, um, you know, it's really great actually to start in the summer before junior year. Because then you really have a good sense for that test. You already have some test scores you like, and then you take it one last time way before any AP tests are due in February or March. And then you can truly, truly be done like for all eternity. Um, so what, because when I say that, you know, some people are like, oh, wait, should I wait then? <laughs> I'm like, no, it shouldn't make a huge difference. It might make like a one point difference on a certain section. And, and, you know, on the the ACT, your score, your end score is averaged out of four sections. So sometimes, you know, if you have a three, let's say you have a 29.25 average, that's a 29 overall. And let's say your goal is a 30. If you had a 29.5, it would round up. Mm -hmm. and you would have a 30, right? That's only one more correct, basically, on or or one higher skilled score on one of the four sections. Mm -hmm. And so something like that might finally flip or happen for you, once you take it without the seniors also thrown into the mix. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's just something to think about. So it's not a huge difference. And it's just just a really small tip I have, um, of what I've seen can like make, you know, a little bit of a change. Um, But my, my, Original um, recommendation of starting the summer before junior year. One hundred percent stands. Those are the best results I've seen, and the least stressed students I've seen.
1: Yes, I I agree. <laughs> Do you have any? Um, I want to say final advice for students who are beginning their kind of testing journey right now.
0: Um, don't let the test define you. It really doesn't. It's the test is not a measure of whether you're a good student. Um, it's not a measure of whether you're ready for college. I just want to say that because every r- score report you get, it says college <laughs> readiness benchmark, right? Yeah. It's so, so mean. It, <laughs> yeah, it really is. It's so discouraging
1: it really. when you're below it. You're like, well, but I feel ready.
0: <laughs> yes. So just know that. Take this test, really take it as an opportunity to learn how to take a multiple choice test, to learn how to study long term. These tests are not opportunities in and of themselves to learn anything about yourself, but the studying you do for them, the preparation for them, that's what will really build a skill set for you that's going to be tremendously valuable in college and also for the rest of junior year and senior year. This is the first time where you have to come up with a long-term study plan, even if you're working with a tutor, you're still responsible, right, for for doing your homework, for doing all these things. Where it's not in a class; it's just you. It's you know, everyone else does it differently and at different times, um, and you have to deal with that, and you have to plan it out. And it's a really great way to learn that skill set. How can I study for a long-term test um, and still um, you know, learn something along the way. And I'm kind of babbling right now um, because I do also want to say one more thing. Um, You were asking me for final advice and I don't want to forget to say this. You may not have to take this test, either one of them. (laughs) Test optional is a real thing. It's great. Um, Listen to our season two episode on SAT ACT. I think it's in season two. Am I I right about that? Yes, it is.
1: And, you know, it's accompanied by multiple blog posts and other kind of media things that we've done. Right.
0: Right. So, so definitely listen to that to learn more about what test optional means. Um, But you may not have to take it if you are only applying to universities who are either test optional or test blind. Now, However, if you can um, basically create a score that would show a strength that you're not showing anywhere else in your academics, then this is your opportunity, right? So you can apply to a test optional school with your test scores to really strengthen your application. Mm-hmm. But if you don't like your test scores, after you've taken the test you know, two times, three times, you're still not happy with it, you don't feel like it'll strengthen your application, then you do not need to apply with it. So my big advice is do the whole test prep thing, you know, at whether you do it on your own, using resources like Khan Academy, wonderful SAT prep resources on there, all free, completely free, or working in a more personalized, specialized way with someone like a Strive to Learn Test Prep Tutor or any other organization regardless of how you do it, do it. You'll learn a lot of skills, um, to really prepare you for college. And if at the end of it, you are not happy with your test score, then you can decide which universities to submit it to or not submit it to. So you still have that opportunity. You don't need to decide that before you decide whether or not to take these tests and prepare for them. Just go, go for them, do your best, study hard for them, You will learn things that will benefit you tremendously in all other areas of your studies because you will have math and reading and writing in everything else that you do until you start college right and then in college a lot of reading and writing uh, in any major right you, you we always communicate through language even if it's just emailing your professors about something um and you'll definitely have multiple choice tests so learning how to take them is a really good idea so that was a lot of final advice but you know me Lily, really, i cannot <laughs> just say one thing so i'm gonna try and um Uh, cut myself off here. No,
1: (laughs) no, I really appreciate it. And that was all excellent advice. I I think that, you know, it's hard to give final advice with this because everybody needs to hear something a little bit different in my opinion. Like we all need a little boost in different areas. So it's like, it makes sense to me that your final words would be extensive. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a good word. Extensive or babbling.
0: We could call it babbling too. No, it was not
1: babbling. (laughs) It was very organized. It was very organized. Completely made sense.
0: Lily, I have a question for you. Um, sure. What final advice
1: would you give any student taking this test? Oh my god. Um, I guess my final advice. And my sister is a is a high school junior right now, and so it's something that has been on my mind recently. Um, as she kind of figures out how to wrangle this process, um, I guess my final advice would be that this entire test journey is going to seem a lot less scary when you're on the other side of it and like that's true of a lot of things in life but in my opinion this is one of the most stark differences that I've experienced in life where between the the incredible terrifying monstrous image of what it is that you have to do and then looking back at it and realizing it's really just this tiny thing that you get through by getting through it (laughs) you just get through um and it, it I'm proud of the work that I put in over that time period to do that. Um, but I, I also, I'm happy that I can kind of look back and laugh about how insignificant it has wound up being. Um, and, and yeah, it doesn't do damage to you <laughs> to do it. I think that was one of my worries at the time was like, oh no, the stress of this and and all of the pressure, um, and this is really going to, to hurt me. And, you know, there is a lot of stress. There is a lot of pressure but it doesn't change you and has no impact on who you are. And it, it is something that you, you pass through and eventually it's all okay.
0: <laughs> so I lied. That was not my last question to you. Um, okay. I would also love to know um, how it affected you to actually prepare for these tests over the course Ooh. of a year and study for them. Like what effect did it have on you?
1: So um, one kind of measurable effect that it had on me was um I went to a very small high school and we basically everyone in every grade takes, uh, this, that the math level for that grade. Um, there's no like AP math or, um, accelerated anything, um, until I believe 11th grade, um, junior. Yeah, that's right. Junior year. Um, and you can separate into kind of, you can decide, okay, well, I, I did really well in math this year. I've uh, scored high enough consistently that I can place into a higher level of math. I am generally not a strong math student, and I have never been, um, but I realized a couple of months into my junior year that I was doing like much better in my regular math classes than I had in the past, um, and I, I would credit that mostly to the fact that I had never had to do such rigorous and consistent math work outside of school before um and nothing that had that much structure um and and kind of study skills built into it and so i was able after my first semester of junior year to place into an advanced math class that only had five people in it besides me um and then in my senior year i took calculus at my school which is a fairly rare thing very few people wind up taking calculus at my school um outside of uh, the block system. Everyone takes pre-calc and calculus um, in, a, in a block, but not as a track class, which I can get into at a different time. <laughs> um, but essentially I wound up taking the highest level math class available at my high school. Um, and I, I would say that's probably directly because I had to do math for a year and a half that I would not have done otherwise. And to build my study skills and my ability to actually critically think about math. Um, and yeah, that really it assisted my college applications. It made my transcript look, uh, I would say, much more well rounded than it would have, um, because I'm a you know strong humanities and arts student. And yeah, I definitely think it had a, a great impact on my regular academics outside of test prep.
0: And you actually just made me think of um, something that I also really want to make sure our our listeners know. So if you decide that that all sounds really good. And you want to have all those benefits too, (laughs) instead of just stressing out about this test um, on your own. And you decide that you want to hire um, a test prep tutor. Then I want to make sure that you keep in mind some things to ask them because there are great test prep tutors out there. There They're mediocre ones and they're pretty terrible ones. Um, And they all have different price tags. And some of them have horrendous price tags where it's like, okay, like what are you really doing in that hour (laughs) with me? So, um, I think that it's really important to ask any test prep tutor or test prep tutoring company that you're thinking about working with um, how does the tutor or how do you, tu- t- how do your test prep tutors um, gauge the learning style um, of the student and how do they, um, you know, mold the standardized test exp- experience to that student and that student's strengths and motivational s- motivations that's a really important one because you'll figure out or do they make it personal because it is not one size fit all fits all Th- these tests, right? That's why they're hard because they are the same. And that's why everyone does differently on them because everyone has their own demons to face in this process. So um, also really asking them, what do you do to help build the student's confidence? Um, how do you, how do you teach, like what are the aspects that you kind of focus on teaching and hopefully active reading is one of the things that they will tell you. Um, and I really recommend that you hire someone who also really focuses on study skills and on teaching teaching, you um, how to become independent in your studying. So ask them that. How are you going to make me an independent, like, well, um, or able to study well student? Ask them that. Because Tutors who create dependency, that is not going to serve you well. You really want someone to work with you who will teach you how you can learn how to help yourself, right? And that's the way that you can gain these skills that Lily was talking about. That's the way that you can gain a skill set that will really move you forward and that will carry you far beyond these tests. Because like our goal at Strive to Learn, for example, is that having getting a really good test score is kind of like a byproduct of doing test prep. Like the goal of test prep is to really foster confidence, to foster study skills, to help you learn how you learn, you specifically, not not other people, like what does your brain do and what helps your brain, Mm -hmm. Um, and how to think critically. And I'm just going to say it again, confidence, how to be confident in yourself as a student. These tests can tear you down, but they don't have to. They can really build you up. So work with someone who knows that. And who can give you some good answers to the questions that I just told you about. Because then the SAT and the ACT can actually be a huge opportunity for you as a student instead of a huge hurdle.
1: Thank you so much. I really appreciate you spending your time with me and and giving me all this awesome wisdom. I think it's going to be really helpful for people out there who are just starting this process. And for people who are kind of reflecting on it, it's still an interesting listen too. Um, I know it would be for me if I weren't here talking about it. So yeah, thank you very much for your time. I appreciate it.
0: Yeah. Thank you for sharing Lily. Um, It's always really great to hear it from someone who's gone through it not too long ago. Um, And yeah, I really appreciate your, your openness and honesty. And I always appreciate your questions to get me thinking. So I hope that, you know, everyone who listened has a better idea now of what is up with these tests and what's the right course of action for them. So thank you all for listening.
1: Thanks for listening. As we continue to produce episodes of this podcast, you can follow along on our website, www.strivetolearn.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Stay tuned for future episodes and don't forget to subscribe. We'd appreciate any support you can give, including likes, downloads, shares, and good reviews. Got something you want to learn about? Ask us questions in the comments or DM us on Instagram at strive to learn tutoring. Get the latest updates on the college admissions world and be the first to receive exclusive offers when you subscribe to our newsletter by visiting our website, www.strivetolearn.com. Thanks for sticking around and I'll see you next time.